in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. Topic today, are the wicked to be annihilated? (laughs) We're going over the annihilation theory today. Well, do words really have the correct meaning we think they have in scripture or are we led to think a certain direction and that's not exactly where scripture actually points it to well we're going over another mind blower today (laughs) discovering what these words really mean you know because one thing we've discovered on my biblical research is that when these translators translate words into english a lot of times they do it based on their biases right And their biases are based on what they believe about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And this is how they do it. They go, oh, the Bible, I believe everyone's either going to heaven and hell. So I'm going to translate words based on what I believe. And this is how they do it, folks. I'm letting you know this because I'm exposing all these problem texts that we're running across. And of course, okay, we've heard this idea that, you know, the wicked are going to be destroyed, and we're going to read the scriptures today. You're going to think that, oh, boy, you know, those wicked, yeah, they're they're going to get their due, and they're going to be completely annihilated. Because our version of annihilation is they're destroyed, and they're not coming back ever. That's what we understand to be. That's the thing, is we think they're so evil, they should be punished to to not, you know, utter existence, to to not have any, any repercussion, their punishment deserves a crime that they've done because they're evil. So, But God is a righteous judge, so we're going to cover that. We've already had a show on the resurrection right. of the wicked, where everyone, no matter if you're righteous or wicked, according to your Bible, and like I say, I always prove this biblically, we're all going to get resurrected, right? And you want to read a couple of those passages of Scripture really fast. I mean, that just as a review, that the Bible teaches clearly three places easily Clearly that everyone, whether how righteous or wicked you are, you're going to get resurrected from the dead. In the Daniel 12, 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt or scorn. Okay, go ahead and read John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And that was a direct quote from Christ. Right. So if he he would know if everyone is going to get resurrected and he stated for a fact the evil are going to get resurrected. So let's go ahead and, and even in Acts, the early church taught this. Acts 24. Go ahead. 
I have hope in God, which they themselves also kept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So here we have this idea that everyone's going to get resurrected. We've read, we've read our Bibles. We see what it says about that. Okay, now we're going to read what a lot of people think. Okay, no, 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 I understand, but no, the, the wicked are going to get annihilated. It's annihilation of the wicked. And, of course, this is the scriptures they use. Let's go ahead and read a scripture in Matthew chapter 10, because this is Jesus speaking here. Okay, Matthew 10, 28. Go ahead and read that one. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, lake of fire, or the Gehenna. Okay, so we know that this idea of hell is actually Gehenna, which is actually the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. Okay, we know this because that's where the, the devil was cast into the lake of fire, and so that's where he's at now. But the whole point is, here's this word here, it says, Do not hear him who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna, or that's mm -hmm. Gehenna fire, which is like hellfire. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. which or what, what we would say that would be the lake of fire. So we looked up this word destroy because, you know, that dis that word destroy, that seems pretty um, ominous, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, I read that word destroy and I'm thinking, why? Well, nobody, that sounds like annihilation to me. That, no way coming back from that. Yeah, you're not coming back from that. And you get thrown into that lake of fire, you know, your body in hell, fire. Well, you know, how are you ever going to recover from that? No, no, you're going to be destroyed and you're not, you're you're going to be annihilated. We looked up. And did a study on this word, destroy. And this is when, this is where my biblical research comes into play every single time. This is why I say these translators, they have biases. They translate these words, what they think they mean, and they don't always mean what you think they mean. So destroy does not mean what we think it means. And we're going to go over today this word. Now, what's, what's that Greek word now? Apolumi. Apolumi. What does that word mean? Because it's translated here. As destroy. Right. To destroy fully, um, reflexively to perish or lose, literally or figuratively to destroy, die, lose, mar, perish. Okay. But we know what this word means because it's found literally over 365 times <laughs> in our Bibles. Okay. So there's absolutely no doubt in our minds all those time places in the Bible, we we get an idea of what that word means. Now we're gonna go, we're gonna go back <laughs> because I'm gonna prove biblically that word does not mean what we think it means. Right? Not annihilation, like what we think. Because our version of annihilation is that you get destroyed and you're never coming back. You're never gonna, you're gonna cease to exist in spirit and soul and everything else. So that's kind of what we think that word means. But we're gonna go and we're gonna go back to the. Really, the first, let's go to Luke. Let's start with Luke. We're going to go there. Now, the first place this word is actually used is back in Genesis. Uh -huh. But before we go there, we're going to read Luke, because Luke talks about this passage of Scripture a little bit. Go ahead and read Luke chapter 17, verse 28 29. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. But on that day... That Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and destroyed them all. Okay, so here we learn, of course, we don't remember that story, mm -hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah story, where basically God rains down 
fire and brimstone from heaven and destroys those cities. Punishment. Is the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as punishment for their wickedness. Right. Okay. We all kind of remember this. Lot and his daughters and his wife get out, but the wife doesn't really fully get out because she turns into a pillar of salt. We all re- kind of remember this story a little bit, you know? She looks back and then, you know, hey, she, she's turned into a pillar of salt. Frozen in salt. Yeah. The first time this word destroyed here, is used is actually by Abraham negotiating with God mm. to to rescue the people the, the Sodom from destruction. Right. Okay, and so we're gonna read that in in, Revel- in Genesis chapter eighteen. Go ahead and read that. And the men having departed from there came to Sodom, and the Lord stood before Abraham, and Abraham drew near and said, "Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked, and shall the righteous?" Be as the wicked. Okay, so again, he uses that word, destroy the righteous with the wicked. So that word destroy is the same exact word mm. that's used here. Okay, this idea that, okay, would you destroy the righteous and the wicked? Okay, so uh, again, are we thinking this word means annihilating? Because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, people are thinking. The wicked are going to be, quote, annihilated. We're, we're getting that, right? Well, I'm going to show you that the people of Sodom uh-huh. are alive and well. Now, I mean, they're not well, alive, not, well, but they're not completely annihilated right. even during a time of Jesus Christ. Because there's going to be a judgment day coming for those mm-hmm. guys, just like there is for everybody else. That's what I'm saying. The Bible teaches a judgment for the righteous and the wicked, right. just like we, we read earlier. And so we're going to read Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read what Jesus says about these people of Sodom. Okay, go ahead and read that one. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So in other words, according to Jesus here, there's a day of judgment coming for the people of Sodom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just reading that, and it sounds to me like Jesus is saying, even though those... Sodom, people of Sodom were utterly destroyed, according to our Bibles. That does not mean they were completely destroyed, because here we have Jesus saying that those people, more tolerable for the people of Sodom than for those people. So in other words, there's going to be various judgments, as you can see, even in this scripture, not everyone's going to be judged. Some people are going to be judged more harshly than others. Well, the idea that we can all agree on is that fire rained down and Sodom was Destroyed. Taken out. Okay, yeah. destroyed. Well, it, it, it was, um, you know... Leveled. Leveled. <laughs> the idea, though, is is the people from that time frame, they will be resurrected, resurrected yep. and they will have to face judgment for their sins or their yep. the way they yep. lived. Now, does that mean that they're going to be utterly punished and judged permanently and annihilated, destroyed? No. I, I see, it's like... God is such a righteous God and a gracious Heavenly Father. 
He knows. Now, I think we've all been fooled by someone we thought was good or whatever, and we're just appalled when we find out the truth. My dad used to say, you can fool me, but you can never fool God. Well, that's the whole thing. God knows the heart of man, and he knows what punishment they deserve, how long they deserve it. Is yep. there any repentant heart there? I love the fact that God knows all and knows more than what we know, so he can make the right call on punishment and judgment. Okay, we're going to go to another passage of scripture that uses this word, too, because... <laughs> They, they, like I say, these translators use these words fast and furious. They're like using these in all these different ways. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. And go ahead and read that one because that same exact word destroyed is used here in this passage. Go ahead. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost, destroyed sheep of the house of Israel. So that lost sheep of the house of Israel is actually the same word they mm. used to use the word destroyed. Mm. We know they're not destroyed because they're just lost. See, right. this is why why these words have these various meanings, and these translators just translate it however they want. They go, oh, we'll just translate it destroyed. So that kind of sounds really good. But I'm sorry, it doesn't mean destroyed. It means that they're lost. That means they're 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 cut off. They're not uh, together. They're not unified. That's what it means. Right. It means they're gone from God. That's what it really means. Let's we're going to continue on because there's more of these. By the time we're done with this show, <laughs> and this may even go into two shows. What does that word exactly mean in the original language? How is it used other places? Well, and then you find out. Well, that doesn't exactly mean what you say it means. Well, no. In the in the original language, they were able to use it and probably understand that it meant this. But in our language, when you take a word from another language, and you have many different words that can mean that, then you have to put that under the definition. And that's a loose fitting of that word, just describing that word, or a really tight, restrictive form of that word. And when something goes right, kind of like it kind of falls in that net of that description, it could be severe to very mild. And that's the idea. Lost. Or, um, right. you know, is is is, le is more kind of kind way of saying that to destroy or die. You know, I don't, I, I would say, you know, if my dog was lost, that he, he would be lost. He wasn't destroyed unless he got, you know, hit by a car or something. You right. Know? Okay, well, let's go ahead and Matthew chapter 15, because Jesus says the same kind of thing <laughs> here. Go ahead and read Matthew 15, 24. Okay. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that word lost, same word they use, destroy other places. Okay? This is how you know that it's like, wait a minute, Jesus was sent to the destroyed sheep of the house. If they're destroyed, how can you go there? Right. But here they translate that a different way. See, I love how these translators, the same word, that they translated destroy another place, now it's just, oh, they're lost now. Well, I, I like this next one, um, Matthew 10, 38 through 39. Yeah. And he... Who does not take the cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And they use that word twice, except they use the <laughs> word lose now. Right. See, that word lose, your life, is destroy your life. It's the same yeah. word. See, all of a sudden that sounds, that's a, that's a lot different now. Wait a minute, lose your life. Right. He was able to destroy it. He will destroy it for my sake. See, 
but we never use that term destroy in this way. Right. But this is what this original Greek word means. Right. So okay. They're translation, just, yeah. Yeah, they're translating it all these different English ways. And I'm like, well, wait a minute now. And it all depends on your bias on how this is getting translated. Most of my job here on this show, I, I'm, I'm literally going to have this show going forever now. Because I'm realizing now that I just have to reverse engineer all these translation problems that we think we understand what these words mean in our Bibles. But then you start digging deep into, well, how's that word used other places? And you go, well, that's not exactly what that word means. And this is the problem I'm running across, is that I'm bringing to you, okay, no, that, that word doesn't mean what we think it means. And they're translating it in such a way based on their own theological biases and not on... Is that the way the word's translated other places that way? Because you're not translating it the same way everywhere. You're translating it different here, and then you're translating it different in another place. I kind of feel like this is like that game telephone. <laughs> you know, they're translating the word, and by the time yeah. it gets to our generation or whatever, that, that loosely translates into another word. It, it's just, it's the word, but it's the definition of how it's translated and how we receive it. So they could write it a certain way, and mean it in that passage a certain way, but we look at it from our um, definition of what that that would mean. So we don't look at the word destroy as being lost or to lose something. Well, in a way, I guess you could say, yeah, he's able to lose that soul in in Hades because they, they they've been cut off, they've been they've been cast mm -hmm. out. In, and, and that's where they go. They get cast into outer darkness. And that's why it's you're you're lost. You're right. You're lost soul because you're not following Christ, essentially. And that's essentially what he's saying here in Matthew 10. Right. He wasn't saying, oh, you're going to be completely wiped out and annihilated there. He's just saying, you're going to be gone. You're going to be cast out. Okay? You're going to be like a lost sheep. Right. Is what you are now. And like a lost sheep is not around the shepherd, the great shepherd. Right? That's kind of the way it works. That's kind of what, when we talk about that Satan and the beast, and they're, they're put into the lake of fire, where they're basically separated from God. And that's what the, the lake of fire is, essentially. It's, a, it's not a consuming fire. We know that from Revelation 20, verse 10. You might, you might, oh, let's okay. read that here real quick. <laughs> Revelation 20, verse 10, because I'm going to give you proof. That the lake of fire is not a consuming fire. And it, it's so easy to prove this biblically. It's like, it's, you know, when I come up with these things, I know people just don't read carefully what the Bible says. They just, they just think, oh, he threw in the lake of fire and that's it. it well, did you see what it said there? <laughs> read the details. Right. What I've discovered is the devil is in the details. <laughs> Literally, when we're going to read about the devil being in the details here, okay, in this scripture. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This lake of fire we know is Gehenna fire. We know that because that's where Christ says that that's where the devil was cast. Devil and his, his angels will be cast into the lake of or Gehenna fire which we now realize that John called it the lake of fire. Right. But we understand it's the same place. But we understand this isn't a consuming fire. It isn't a fire that we're burning in flames and we're being tortured day and night. No, because it says here they will be tormented. Well, torment does not, we, you know, we had a show, <laughs> Lake of Fire show. It, torment does not mean tortured. Right. So 
We know that, of course, the Beast and the False Prophet, they were already there for over a thousand years by the time Satan shows up, by the time the devil shows up. So if it was a consuming fire, then how could they be a, still be alive? Then? No, no, it, it, they're, they're still alive and well. Whatever kind of fire this is, it's not a consuming fire. We know it's that. It's a punishment for sure. It's, it's a, you're cast out, mm-hmm. but it's not a consuming fire where you'd be tortured and tor- you know every day forever and ever in agony and pain and all that. No, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth there because mm-hmm. it's outer darkness as well. But there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in our life as well, and we're not tortured. Well, years ago, you used to joke about Philly's side of it, is that it was the place where the worm never dies. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what Isaiah describes it as, right? Yeah, Isaiah 66 describes it as a place of the worm. In other words, it's, it's, it, it's not a place you really want to be. It's a place of, of death and destruction and all that. Mm-hmm. It's separation from God. Okay, this is the way it's described everywhere in the Bible. Okay? But it's not a place of torture mm-hmm. it's a place where you're tormented because you're not in the love of god you're not in the presence exactly. see one thing people don't understand is that this we didn't have christ and god around in this world this place would be literally hell on earth <laughs> but because we have still have goodness of christ around to some extent now it's getting less and less so it's becoming worse but we understand see the devil is cast into this place mm-hmm. Be tormented there, but it's not torture. He that's his punishment. And of course, if he's the one that doesn't get destroyed, after all the he's the ultimate baddie. Right. If there I mean, there's no one gonna be worse that you could say, oh, so and so's worse than the devil. No. There's no <laughs> one worse than the devil, and God did not destroy the devil. Think about that one for a minute. He threw him into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet were already there for over a thousand years. So <clears throat> this is not a consuming fire. We know that for a fact. Okay. Well, you know, just a little insight there. I thought, you know, we're supposed to love our enemies. I actually think God's shown a little love to the devil right there. Because <laughs> he could destroy him completely. Or, you know, dist- de- you know, annihilate him. But he doesn't. No, I, he doesn't. And there's a purpose and plan behind God. What, what God's doing here. And a lot of times we think that we understand God's plan and purpose. But we don't. Because... You would think, well, man, why doesn't God just take Satan out for good, man? Eliminate, wipe him out, wipe him off the face of the whole existence. Un- existence. If anybody deserves that, it would be the devil, but he's not. Why? See, it's because God's ways, he has a plan and purpose much higher than ours, yeah. and annihilation doesn't solve anything to God. He's got a plan for everything, and we just mm-hmm. got to let his plan work out. And not just try to jump to conclusions thinking, oh, we, uh, God's going to annihilate all these evil people. Anybody doesn't follow Christ and God, they're just going to get annihilated. Well, he didn't do that with the devil, and he's a true baddie. Yeah. Why would he do that with anybody else? What I'm showing you that dis- destroy does not mean what we think annihilation is. Because to, to us, the destroy means annihilation. That does not what it means. Okay, let's go ahead and read the next one here in Matthew. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life on my account of me shall find it. Okay, so that word, lose it. Okay, Mm -hmm. again, this is how they translate these words, destroy. Okay, here the word is lose your life. But instead, it's the same exact word. You lost your life. How do they translate that word? Why did they use the word destroy your life? Mm-hmm. See, they didn't use that word. 
See, because it's not what that word means even in the original Greek, but these translators love to translate it that way when they feel like it because it fits their agenda. And this is what they're doing here. And like I say, I'm just I'm not cherry picking verses either. <laughs> I'm just going by the verses that maybe a lot of people would know. Because we even looked up one yes. with the prodigal. We remember the prodigal, right? We all remember the prodigal son. At the end of the son, the father says to the older son, your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. That word right. lost, guess what word that's used? <laughs> Same exact word. Yeah. In, in other words, but he would never say, your brother is dead and alive again. He was destroyed and is found. No, you would not use that. See, why are they using the word lost right. when they use that same word destroyed in other places? This is why I'm saying these translators like to translate fast and loose with all these places. It's not what things mean. Well, and we also are going on assumption that we know what these words mean. But we don't understand that these words mean a certain thing in the Greek language than in our language. So that's why they're translated this way because... You know, there are different ways that we could say probably this this Greek word, but they've done it in a, a really strong way or a real kind of mild way. And okay, well, we're going to keep going because there's we're we're not even a even <laughs> a fraction of the way through. That's why we're going to have to have two shows on this because where the wicked dead go, I think we all this is an important topic for us to discuss. Because a lot of people are told, oh, you know, you're you know, lost, uh, ground. they're just going to be burning in hell for all eternity and be destroyed or whatever. When nothing could be further from the truth, God has a plan and purpose to judge each one according to what he's done. Right. And we're going to have another show on the, on the judgment and how that's all going to work. Everyone's going to be judged differently. Not everyone's going to be judged the same way. Let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 18. Let's go ahead and read that one. See that you do not despise one of these little ones for i say to you that in heaven their angels always are the face of my father who is in heaven for the son of man came to save that which was lost okay so that word the son of man came to save that which was lost again same word <laughs> uh, except you wouldn't say oh the son of man came to, to save that which was destroyed see mm. again why are they using the word lost there all these see it's this is what this word really means. It's, it's kind of like the idea of a lost person. Uh, uh, somebody who lost their way. Essentially, this is what this word really means. Well, in the Christian vernacular, we look at people who are not believers as being lost. Well, again, people that are lost, they're lost their way. They're deceived. They're or losing their they're, way. They don't know God the way we know God. So... You know, or the way that maybe the relationship with God that we would consider someone who knows God would be someone who has a relationship with him. So, like, I have grandparents that passed away. I don't know how their relationship really was, but I don't have memories of them in the way that I would consider someone who had a relationship with God. I'm not saying they weren't good people. They were wonderful. I loved them. And I appreciate having them in my life as a kid. But I think we think of these people that we love them or maybe have passed away. And we think, are they actually lost or destroyed permanently? Or are they going to be resurrected and have a judgment on them that they'll have to deal with? And then... We see the words used lost a lot of places, but it's also used to kind of refer to the word somebody got killed. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read about that here a little bit. See, this word has, it has various ways you can mm -hmm. use it. 
But it definitely doesn't mean annihilation. I don't think Degrees anywhere. Yeah, because uh, okay, so we're gonna read here about how they were tr- they were getting ready to uh, conspiring to kill Jesus, mm-hmm. and they use this word as well. Go ahead and read Luke chapter eight, verse thir- twenty three and twenty four. There. But the chief priests and elders per- persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So that word destroy, again, that's the same exact word here, destroy Jesus. In the same kind of way in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 6. Go ahead. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So again, they, they, they were trying to destroy Jesus, kill him. So in other words, this word can be used to, word, to use the word kill or destroy in the, in the way that we kind of think of it, but never... I never can see it as the word annihilate completely gone forever. It's never really used that way as in the way we think of it as like their soul and everything is gone forever right. and they're they're annihilated the, the, like what we say. It, it, it sometimes uses the word to kill somebody. When you, you plot to kill somebody, it's used that way. But that doesn't mean that their soul's not around still, see? And that doesn't mean that God isn't a righteous judge right. over who they are and how they live, you know? So let's read the next one, Luke... Okay. Chapter 8, verse 23 and 24. And we're going to, like I say, I'm showing you this to give you hope that I'm not just cherry picking verses here. Remember, how many times this is found? 365 times in the Bible. I mean, it's all over the place. I'm just showing you that some of the places in the New Testament is used. There's all kinds of other places in the Old Testament that's used the same kind of way. It's just that I just can't go over all of them because I would be here for, like, we, we would have, like, 13 shows on just this topic. I don't want to go over that too much. I'm just trying to drive home mm-hmm. what happens to the wicked. What God, God has a plan and purpose for the w- wicked. Mm-hmm. I want you to have peace of mind knowing that, you know what, your loved ones, maybe they weren't righteous people, mm-hmm. but you still love them. Because God commands us to love our enemies. Right. And there's a reason why we're told to love our enemies, because we're going to see them one day. That would be cruel of God to say, I need you to love your enemies, but you know what? After they die, you're going to never, ever see them again because I'm going to annihilate them and destroy them. Well, not only an enemy, but you know, everyone has um, a freedom to choose God or not choose God. We're and sp- as much as we love our loved ones, not all loved ones are going to choose God. It could be a wayward child. It could be um, uh, a, a wayward spouse or a spouse that's with you and is choosing to not serve the Lord. You know, that doesn't mean that, that they're going to be utterly annihilated or you destroyed and that God doesn't have a plan to redeem them back to him. Because I think that in of itself is the purpose of God's love for everyone is that everyone will be redeemed to him. Here in the next verse, we're going to go over, it uses the word perishing to describe this word too. So this word has a, a, a different meanings, but I think if we're getting the idea, it really doesn't mean annihilate. It means, you know, to, to get out of the way, to um, going down the wrong path, you know, Maybe a death and destruction kind of thing, but never a annihilation kind of right. scenario. So go ahead and read Luke chapter 8, verse 23 and 24. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and they, there was calm. Okay, so the idea that when they said, Master, Master, we are perishing, same exact word there. Mm. No one to think that is we're being annihilated here. No, it's the idea there is that, you know, hey, we're going to get we're gonna get ready to drown here if you don't help and save us. This is kind of the idea behind this word. Again, I'm trying to drive this home because there's, an, there's another word that we're going to go into next time. 
that's similar to this word. Mm -hmm. And that one is the word, and you would think it would be worse, utterly destroy. Okay, <laughs> that's how it's translated many places in the Bible. And you think, okay, well, that has to mean, you know, completely, well, guess again. You think, see, this is why these translators, they have their biases. And we're going to go over that word next time, because this sometimes is word that you, people use as either wicked or going to be utterly destroyed. Because mm -hmm. that's what I found in the Old Testament, it's the word utterly destroys used. And maybe you're utterly destroyed as well. Well, I'm going to show you. That does not mean what you think it means. Well, I think in the back of all of our minds, we don't want any evil person to get away with whatever evil they're doing against righteous or innocence or whatever. We want everyone, we want to believe that God will rightly judge everyone according to their works and to, that no one will get looked, overlooked and the evil will get away with whatever evil they're getting away with. We, you know, might they might think they're going to get away with. I love the fact that God is righteous and how he judges and how he punishes and disciplines. Because um, the Bible even says he disciplines those he loves. You know, so if he's going to discipline those he loves, then he's also going to punish those who were bad, who were deserved to be punished. Well, no one's going to get away with anything. We understand that with God. It's not like you could hide anything from God. He doesn't need a jury. He doesn't need a trial. He doesn't need all that stuff. All he Because he knows everything, okay? It's like he knows what everything we've done. And so no one's getting away with anything. Right. See, this is the point is that we have a righteous God that knows exactly all the circumstances behind our situation. Some people were in abusive situations in their yes. life. And maybe that helped turn them to wickedness, but maybe that wasn't all their fault, see? Maybe there's a lot of reasons why people are, are that become, you know, dark in their heart and spirit. Yeah. Maybe they were abused as a child. And God has to will take that into consideration. Right. See, God has mercy and he, he's a perfect judge for all these things. And so that's why, you know, a lot of people just want to throw everybody heaven, hell, good, bad, destroyed, eternal life. When that's not the way God works, because He looks at the circumstances of everything that around. Well, him. and He looks at the heart, and, and that's heart. really where true judgment should come from. It shouldn't come from from what you think someone's actions or behaviors are. It should come from what you can't see that's in the heart, and God can see it all. So we can probably fool those around us, but we'll never be able to fool God, because He's a righteous judge. Next week we'll go into part two. <laughs> Are the wicked to be annihilated? And we're going to go over in other words, besides just this one here, that goes into the idea, and it kind of sounds kind of bad, that you know, kind of looks like, oh yeah, they're going to be annihilated and destroyed and gone forever, when it seems to indicate otherwise, we just need to just be reading our Bibles, studying them for what they are, and we'll get there because we're living in a very deceptive age that we live in right now, right. in Satan's little season. Not only because it's right there in our Bibles. But because it's the only thing that makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.